Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Before we get into this week's episode of Small Doses, want to remind everybody that you can catch Smart, Funny, and Black live at the Apollo Theater as part of the New York Comedy Festival on November 12th. If you have not got your tickets, make sure you get them. If you know people that are in the Tri-State area, make sure to tell them to get their tickets. We're trying to sell this show out and show this pandemic that we are back with a vengeance. Our Blacks first for the evening are the hilarious Titus Burgess from the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and Michelle Buteau, comedian extraordinaire, and you've seen her on the first Wives Club. Y'all, it's going to be hilarious. It's going to be wild. It's going to be fun. And the Apollo is always a very, very, very special space that just resonates in another whole different way. And I want y'all to be there to experience the good time that will be had. So get your tickets at smartfunnyandblack.com for Smart, Funny, and Black Live as part of the New York Comedy Festival November 12th in New York City. Also, before we get into this episode, I want to remind you, if you want to stay in touch with everything that's going on with Smart, Funny, and Black and myself and Small Doses and all the good stuff that we got going on, make sure to sign up for our newsletter, The Union, at smartfunnyandblack.com. The Instagrams and the Facebooks, et cetera, they make it to where we need to depend on them to get to you, and I just don't think that's fair. So I want to be able to get to y'all directly, and I need you to sign up for the newsletter to do that. Or you can also become a member of our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash smartfunnyandblack, and you can get into all the exclusive bonus extra content that we are making on a regular basis, including my show Views from Amanda Land, as well as my web series Get Your Life and more. So, all those good things are here for you. Make sure to go to smartfunnyandblack.com to get caught up, because I know I'm talking really fast. And now let's get into this episode. It's so funky. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Small Doses as we continue on with these great conversations that I have been very fortunate to have. We've had a number of individuals come in this space, and I always say that because it always amazes me at just like the variance and the voices and how they all add up to our wellness and to our elevation and enrichment. And today's guest is doing so in a very literal way uh, because uh, we have Kalila Wright, the founder of, well, is it, is Mess? Because I feel like, I feel like. Listen, I'm still trying to trademark the word mess. So we're, we're getting there at this point. (laughs) But I was indoctrinated to you through mess in a bottle. Yeah. Right. Okay. So mess in a bottle is, I was going to say, it's apparel. It's not just a clothing line. It's apparel, right? Yeah. So mess in a bottle is an apparel line uh, that Kalila began that really just very literally speaks what's going on in so many women's minds. And I feel like it's specifically black women, but I've been seeing other women wear it. So it's not just, it's not just, (laughs) but you, y'all know who I was talking to. Right, right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And so I wanted to have you on the show because one, you have taken this line and blown it up to the point where over Christmas, I remember you were like, y'all need to get out of my DM. We're trying our best. I was like, you want me to hit up my people? See if Becca said that he went over to help you. You did. You (laughs) did. And that meant so much to me. Thank you again for that. No doubt. Because let me tell you, fulfillment is the death. (laughs) <laughs> it's the death. Like people are like, and I know this from my own experience. People are like, oh, I'm gonna start a clothing line, and you never remember that not only do you have to fulfill these orders, but you have to do customer service for these orders, and that's its whole. There's that other beast, and so yes. you also have managed to get mess in a bottle into Target, uh, so into a space of mass consumerism, and you know all of these things in the American view of small business are signs of success. And um, and so flowers to you, flowers you. to you. But I want to talk about not just like your path as an entrepreneur, but choosing this language, choosing this branding behind it. And, you know, what I love about it is it's very clear that this type of messaging doesn't come from just like, I'm trying to do some shit to make money. There's more to it. And there's an actual wellness factor built in. So what is mess? So Mess is an apparel brand that it allows individuals to be unapologetically themselves. 
It allows you to really be able to be expressive and we stand firm on giving a voice to the voiceless. That is why I created Mess in a Bottle. It was just something where I created this and started the company um, in 2016, you know, shortly after Freddie Gray, an African-American male, died in, you know, police custody. And I lived in the neighborhood. I'm from Brooklyn, New York, well, born in Jamaica, but live in Brooklyn. And, you know, I migrated to Baltimore for, for college. And, you know, this tragic event happened in my Baltimore City community and neighborhood. And at the time I was working at a sports retail apparel company doing architecture. And, you know, people- um, Stop, stop, stop. You ain't just going to- <laughs> doing architecture because I don't even know how doing architecture factors into a sportswear company. But how did we? How did okay? So let's work our way backwards. How does architecture okay. factor into the sportswear company? And then how are you in architecture? So I am a trained architect. I build and design um, like fixtures, features, stores for Under Armour, and so I did that for several years. Like so, my oh. ba- my background is in architecture. Like I'm a designer by trade. I'm an architect by trade. So building design is where my mess started. And, you know, I guess a little fun fact is at work, you know, it didn't click like architecture, the design concept of architecture clicked, but being in this white male dominated like profession where literally 0.02% African-American women become licensed architects, I was never appreciated at all in this profession. Mm. And so, you know, it was crazy because I was just at my desk. I used to be making stuff. I used to be doing everything (laughs) at Under Armour, probably other than working. And I just, you know, I was inspired. I love building design. It's probably my first passion. It's probably my first love. And I ended up um, kind of just when the riots happened in Baltimore, I was literally glued to the TV. Like my CVS is burning down right now. I was like, what do I do? So I would go from my neighborhood to, you know, this other part of Baltimore who it's very, you know, it doesn't look like where the CVS was burning down. And, you know, my white counterparts were like, are you okay? Is everything all right? And I'm like, I'm not. And, you know, and so, and I literally just like a lot of other people probably couldn't even articulate how I was feeling. Um, And so messing about it really came at a time where we needed words. We needed a message. We needed people to stand in solidarity with us. And it it would be wearing a shirt like she black and you seeing a white person and they holding up a fist too. And they like, yes, sis, you wear that proud. And that's where messing a bottle really, you know, came alive. Because to be honest, I started putting things on a shirt that really just was my thoughts. And even now I say this all the time. Yes, Messing the bottles created so anyone could wear it, but it comes from a black woman's voice. It mm-hmm. comes from a black immigrant woman's voice. Okay. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> but, but. so I make sure you know that. Like, so if you don't feel like these messages resonate, then it ain't for you. But for the most part, like these messages hit because it's about conversation. It's about the difficult conversation. It's about the things that people are, are maybe talking about in their living room that they're afraid to say out loud. And, you know, I do try my best to be as witty, as catchy, and to spark something where you're walking in an airport and you wear something that somebody could be like, damn, I didn't even think about it that way. And so that's why Mess in a Bottle was created. And so the fact that I went from this male-dominated field that I didn't feel appreciated to putting words on a t-shirt, which were my thoughts and my voice, and where people are like, yo, that's me. That's how I feel. How you knew? I'm like, it makes me feel like I I think I just wrote somewhere recently. I'm like, I've lived sort of like the passion and dream that I think everybody in life probably wishes that they can ever get to. Because the fact that I've been very, you know, intentional and sort of, you know, committed to like what I want to do and the fact that it actually came to life and that I'm spewing the things that I feel on a daily basis Mm -hmm. and it's connecting to a white ball man in Arkansas is powerful. And the fact that he thinks that he should give a shirt to someone on his team to support them. And I think one of the other cool things that I did, and I didn't even realize that's what I was doing, but you know, I created shirts like bad chick with a bull head living life. I created that because I'm a bad chick. (laughs) 
life. Okay, but that connects to someone now. I have um, alopecia patients. I, I have say, people who have cancer mm-hmm. that are sending me messages and they're like, yo, thank you. I feel seen. And I'm like, and I so did not know that's what I was doing. So the fact that I can have people slide in my DMs and they're like, yo, you make my day better. And putting on this makes me feel better. I'm like, say no more. Say less. I'm good with life. I done accomplished what I was supposed to come with this planet for. And I'm good. And so, you know, that's kind of my journey and how this this mess came about. I mean, I have a... um. I have an internship program for Smart, Funny, and Black, and we do these one-on-ones. And one of my interns yesterday was asking, like, about in her creation of art, she was like, you know, how do you decide where to start from? Is it, like, from what people want to see or is it from what you want to see? And I was like, you know, it's it's funny you say that because I think a lot of people start from what they think people want to see. But nine times out of ten, if you just start from what's authentically your voice, it attracts people by nature of authenticity and and because you are an individual and you're putting out what is individually yours, that's the most direct way you can cut through trying to like, because there's so much generalization out here, like people trying to reach everybody that if you're just doing your clear perspective, like that's the most unique thing that can exist. And so when you're talking about this, like, I think it's so dope that you really were like, I'm just doing this because it, you know, speaks to me. And that's not selfish. It's just grounded, you know, yeah. and it's self-aware. Now, when I hear the word mess, you know, and I say somebody's a mess, somebody is a mess. I think that, you know, I use it in the sense of like, they're just discombobulated. Like they just, they're not together. They are just a dumpster fire. But you have like reclaimed the word. So let, let's not get it twisted. And I ain't even going to hold you. And I know my friends, they're going to be like, but this is a mess. Okay. <laughs> so that's truly where it came from. And like, just the fact, like, I'm telling you, like the universe will pour and put because I, I've gotten better with my mess and I'm going to own that as well because I definitely <laughs> What do you define as of, your mess though? Listen, I still can't find my keys every morning. Okay. <laughs> I'm still struggling with my mess and I mean I've gotten better because again you know I now can hire people to help my mess be a little (laughs) bit smoother on a daily basis but overall you know I think that I've I've been in a place where you know I talking to you reminds me gives me that nostalgia of I come from the aim you know the AOL you know that type of era where I had away messages my status messages used to be a mess you know give me an example give me an example. Girl, I, look, they go back. Like, I would be talking about the families. I'd be talking about the men's. I'd be talking about yes. <laughs> So for I mean, all of my young listeners, <laughs> back in the day, the early days, the, we had a dial-up when there was a ring. Yes. Like, there was a ring before you could get on the internet. <laughs> Where you're all, you sounded like a fax machine in your house all the time trying to get online. You would get online and they had AIM, AOL, America Online Instant Messenger. And Instant Messenger was basically what texting is now. But back then, Instant Messenger was the way that you could have like immediate conversation with folks. And you could put up an away message so that even if you weren't at the computer anymore, people would see your away message. <laughs> now, I my away message used to be book. like, I'll be back. <laughs> I started a whole book that's called Away Messages. And I don't even want to find it because when I tell you these messages used to be lit before (laughs) lit they were they were down and so you know so again a lot of that I think owning and starting a company has really allowed me you know I, I went through a deep period in my life where I'm like not feeling censored, but in a sense where I had to start protecting myself from a lot of the words, like, you know, and filter it a bit, you know, because some of it could be dangerous. And now we have so much with society and what people view and what people see. So, you know, I think it took me a while, but, and also just the exposure now that, you know, I'm sure I see a lot of your messages about how the comments come in and things like that. I think that also- So you're saying you had to, when, when you said you had to censor yourself, what do you mean? You had to I like had make to, boundaries? No, yeah. And we'll just wheel it in to really make sure before I type, 
I articulate oh, and your process. Words. Yes, oh, my words to really process it before I put it out to the world. And just also take a moment to make sure that I'm not allowing the world to change my words too mm. and to stand behind it. And like, so there was a lot of that. Like, you know, so mess in a bottle really allowed me to take a moment. And I'm like, yo, this is a mess. The things are a mess. And I could be okay with saying that I don't have to hide behind, you know, you've seen when things are going crazy in a business, if I'm ready to cry on social or, you know, but again, I'm taking that with a grain of salt. I'm not, you know, because you gotta, and I'm learning that. And it took me a minute because it helps for you to, of course, like you said, create boundaries, protect yourself and, you know, and get a good balance. And I think that leaving corporate America and sort of being able to be expressive. And I want for people to be able to connect with me and connect with my message. But if it's cluttered and if it's, if it's a full mess, people won't truly get it. So that crafting and molding the message is really important to me too. Okay. Why did I just got it? Mess message in a bottle. I know. Look, we got to start this whole podcast over. If you ain't know that this was based on the 310 BC concept of receiving a message in the... Girl, bye. I I thought you knew me. I thought you understood what we was... I thought you understood the assignment, Amanda. I did not. I was late to the party. Listen, you're talking to someone who missed 32 days of 10th grade playing spades. So this is one of those days I I just missed class. Mess, message in a double entendre. I love it. Oh my gosh. I literally, I can't even believe I just missed, like, but you see, that's my mess. come in a bottle. Well, I know that. Yes, but I, like, until you literally just now, like, you know, the message, I was like, she's smart. (laughs) So I think that has been the really amazing part of this is connecting it to, so I'll just, you know, I'll well, now, share Now we're here. Take us, yeah, take us all the way Yeah, there. so I was at Under Armour. I was sitting at my desk and I think I can still say this um, and I think it should be fine, but I was sitting at my desk one day and I was listening to, um, I was watching YouTube and just trying to tune out. I'm clicking lines, drawing buildings, drawing fixtures, and I'm like, where is life? What is happening right now? And um, a song started playing. And at the time, I was creating the T-shirts with the messages at Under Armour, but I had no name for the company. I was a little, like, confused. I was like, I don't know what this is yet. And I was starting to sketch. Like, I have, like, these original sketches where I'm drawing a bottle. But, you know, and what happened, there is a Chance the Rapper um, album cover. Um, I think it's, like, a mixtape or something, but it's called Surf. And it was a met, it was like a little sketch and it was a bottle in and with a squiggly line. And I was like, that's it. I'm creating messages and it's a mess. It's a message in a bottle. But of course you start Googling it and message in a bottle is everywhere. And I said, yo, I'm, and I literally looked over at my coworker and I was like, but I'm a mess. And my life at that time was a mess. I was going through a divorce. My son was only three, two at the time, two, three. He was sleeping under my desk because I was trying to balance entrepreneurship, being a single mother, getting out of this relationship, trying to figure out how my student loans, what I'm going to do, you know? And I just was like, but I'm a mess. And I was like, that's it. I'm a mess in a bottle. (gasps) Go away. I can't believe you didn't know this. (laughs) I love it. I'm a mess in a bottle. I mean, you know, the thing about it, though, is that I feel like concept is so lost on a lot of stuff these days. Like, you know, so like I had started a line called Illustrious League and I ended up having to pause it because I just don't have the bandwidth to handle what apparel really, really, really entails. And but it was like I really wanted to create something that had concept behind it because I feel like so much stuff now is like here's these cute shirts that we call cute shirts and they're $168 (laughs) there that part and it's just a shirt you know and so I'm like you know I want to make something that has more to it and that when you're spending your money at least you feel like you're doing more than just putting on something uh that looks good but something that like 
makes you feel has a meaning. Yeah, yeah. Makes you feel. Yeah. And you know, that was what I was good at in architecture school. Like I was great at the concept, like the beginning mm. stages was don't ask me how the building was going to stand up. <laughs> I don't know. Ask the engineer. <laughs> it was that part wasn't for me. But when it came to conceptualizing something and creating like this beautiful building and whatever, I did it amazing at that. But my teachers used to tell me like, you ain't going to make it because you can't get past the concept. And like, you know, with doing mess in a bottle, it really taught me like the strong foundation of having a great message of having a really amazing concept. And the fact that you get your t-shirts in a bottle, the fact that like, it just has been able to connect so well and, you know, and it, it, it just works. Like people receive this message and they're like, Oh, okay. You know, and it just, they have the moment I just had. That's what happens. They have the moment I just had. And the messages that come in it are like so impactful and it really makes sense. So it's not a piece of paper you pulling out, but you're now pulling out this t-shirt and the t-shirt is now the message. I mean, you all have a lot of product. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So do you, are you, are, are you making it on site? Yeah. So, you know, we have a production facility in Baltimore and we make probably like 90% of our messages, our t-shirts. We have a, you know, a fulfillment center for bigger, like, you know, and it still goes through us. Like, you know, what was meaningful again for me, I have, um, our staff is 99% um, Black women. And so the fact that we can employ people in Baltimore, Mm -hmm. as well as really, you know, teaching them ownership, having a business, um, things like that really matter to me. And I created and started the company in a very small row home in the hood. I was about to ask you, like, how did you Druid and Roberts, okay? (laughs) On Druid, like people from the hood in Baltimore, they know Druid and Roberts, (laughs) hide your kids, hide your wife, because they still selling drugs on the corner, okay? And and that is where Mess in a Bottle started was this, you know, I had a dream. I had an idea. I sketched out. Like, I still can remember these little sketches of a bottle. I created a vending machine even then. And I was like, I want the bottles to come out of a vending machine. And, you know, I did this whole thing. And um, and just to watch it go from this small room in a row house to now where the company has gone is beyond what I have ever could have ever imagined this company to be. So how, I mean, in that process, how have you managed to know when it's time to level up? Like, when was it time to get out of the row house? When was it time to then, okay, we're going to do our own fulfillment? When, like, because those are big leaps. Yeah, 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 And yeah. when was it time to quit Under Armour? Yeah, okay, so um, I quit Under Armour a month after I started messing a bottle. <laughs> Believe in yourself. Because I just knew (laughs) that we was going to be lit, okay? (laughs) And that it was going to be on after that. So the thing was, like, you know, it was a little bit of a both. Like, so meaning, like, Under Armour was looking at me like, you doing work? What's happening over here? And I'm like, you know what? You know what? You might be right. I'm going to just pack up and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go stage left real quick and I'm going to do where I'm, you know, going to be great at. And it was just time. Like, you know, I really, I literally remember my last day of work and I just told myself, I'm like, yo, keep a cell phone on, make sure your son is good and he could eat and keep a roof over your head. Like those were like my three stipulations. And I was like, and don't go try to live with family. It's not happening. Well, I was going to ask you that later because- you know, you said you're, you're a Jamaican and an immigrant, no. and I know telling a Jamaican family, <laughs> I've decided to quit my architecture job and uh, make yeah. T-shirts. Like, what the hell do you mean you're making T-shirts? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I heard of it. See, thankfully, my parents, I think they knew I've been a little off all these, you know, these years. And I think they, you know, so I ain't hear too many bumble clots or anything. Okay. I heard a little, you know, it was, you know, they like, well, all right. You know, my dad is pretty supportive. You know, as an immigrant, my dad has done an exceptional job at like just holding down a fort in the sense of I didn't, I wasn't raised by my parents, very similar to a lot of Caribbean households being split apart. When you come to America, I lived and grew up with my grandmother and my godmother and aunt. Like they kind of raised me. And then, you know, my dad, he's just been real, you know, supportive. And he like, look, if I got to work extra hours, I'll do it. And he's made it happen where, you know, I've been real grateful for that. And so, you know, I think that I realized that it was time to leave the row house when my house just had T-shirts. Literally, my son's room was like packed with T-shirts and 
I think the great thing of where I realized I had a good thing was the fact that when people saw Mess in a Bottle, old, young, black, white, whatever, people were like, yo, I love that. That's funny. That clicks. It's me. And I was like, wow, okay. And I also told myself when I was leaving my nine to five, like, if you could survive off of this for 365 days, I was like, you could do another year. If not, I said, the worst thing that can happen is you can go back to being an architect. And that wasn't that bad in my mind. So I was like, you know, do what you got to do for a year and see where it leads you. And I I tell people this all the time. Listen, this depends on your comfort level. I definitely got eviction notice in that time. My credit went crazy at that time. My car almost got repossessed at that time. Everybody ain't built for this. And I totally I was gonna say, understand. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not built there anymore. At Everybody's one point in time, not. I may have been, but at this point, but I, I was I was like 29, 30, 32. That's the right so time still, to do it. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Still, <laughs> and I, you know, and I told myself like. As long as I could get it together before my son like started school and started kindergarten and I could get us out the hood. Like, you know, I, I didn't, I'm from the hood. So I just, I didn't mind living in it. Well, Baltimore hood is a whole nother type of I was going to say hood. Baltimore is a special level of hood. Just a little bit. And so I just told myself like, all right, cool. Like you have a couple of years, try to make this work, make it happen. And so when my son's room started getting crazy and, you know, I think the, the dope thing, um, and it was because of, you know, we didn't have COVID times, like every event I would be at. I snuck into events. I done made my way to Vegas for 24 hours to sneak into vending machine events. I then went to events in which I done threw a t-shirt on the stage to Lena Waithe and to um <laughs> and to also um Queen Latifah and then to have Lena wear it at a big like NAACP award and then to have people, you know, be like, who's that company? Like, so you know, I did a thing where it was the street team mentality for me. Like, mm. I remember flyers on my car when I, you know, when I was, I was in gonna college. I was going to say, you got to say what a street team is. People don't I, even that, remember that, what that I is. I remember flyers. And you didn't know about a party until you got out of a party and yep. saw a flyer on your car. Like, that's how you knew about. So that's how, and you didn't know about a new album coming out until you saw a sign on a pole yep. that was that somebody would put up. So for me, that's the era I come from. So I'm like, yo, get your street team on. Like, you know, I would get my homegirls like, yo, you down at work, you don't got nothing to do. Can you send DMs to like 17 influencers? Ask them if they, like, that's my street team. Like them, not now. But those were the type of things that I did. And so I realized very quickly, I was like, okay, now you got to have some help and help couldn't come to my house. And I was like, all right, we got to get out of my house. And so that's when I decided to move into uh, a small, like uh, maybe 300 square foot space. It was a teeny weeny, teeny shop. So I'm guessing you don't know about the robbery either. I don't know about the robbery. Amanda! Girl, I've been living my own mess. So let me fill you in. So that's a part of my journey. And I'm a lot better about, you know, even talking about it now. So I moved to my own shop in 20, 2017-ish, I think, 2017 or 2018. So I started the business in 2016. And probably like a year and a half after is when I was like, all right, I got to get out of this house and move into a shop. So I had a shop and... I chuckled because I'm like, the 7-Eleven done moved when I was moving in. And I'm like, why y'all moving? And they're like robberies. But I'm thinking they mean kids coming in, stealing cookies, or and they can't take... I'm not thinking like, shoot them up, hit them up. You know, and then, you know, I I don't want to say silly me, but I really thought like... I'm a black woman. I got the door open. I'm from the hood. If they talk to me, they don't know I'm one of them. Like, you know, I got friends that's doing 25 to life too. We are right. We in the same struggle. Like I'm just, but no, that didn't matter. (laughs) It did not matter. And what I realized too, again, these, these, you know, whoever the kids, I think they were young. I think they were kids. So wait, you're, you're, you're skipping over. So like what happened? So I, in 20, like 18, so I opened a shop in like August on November and we're almost here, November the 14th. And I remember the date because it's just a date that won't ever, I won't forget. My son had like a Thanksgiving thing at his school. I ran out and, you know, he was singing at his school and I like ran back to the shop and I was 
alone at the shop because I usually have like an intern. My friend's brother was helping me at the time. And I'm just, I'm happy he wasn't there. I feel like if it, it, if, if it was, it may not have ended the same way just because, you know, intimidated by another yeah. person and whatever. And so I was at my shop and I usually, at that point, I was still producing a lot of the stuff by myself. And as I was at the shop, um, I won't forget the date. Um, it was a beautiful day and I had flowers and I came in and around 2 PM, I had to go pick up my son. And right around then two boys walked into the shop. And before I could even say hi, one of them pulled out some type of long rifle and put it to my head and was like, give me all your stuff. That makes me emotional. Um, I I thought I was all right now. You are all right. I know, but I'm just like, "Mm." and so, um, you know, and then I'm looking like, yeah, like I literally was shocked because I was just like, me? Like, right. you know, I felt like I give so much to the community, my space. I just would have never, I'm like, if y'all want something, come in the shop. Yeah. Too. I would give it. I'm going to give off my back person. And so, you know, but they don't know me. And I charge it to the game. I charge it, charge it to shit, slavery. I charge it to right, yeah. community, you know, I charge it to, and the, um, like projects were not far from where the shop was. And so I was like, you know, so it could have been like local boys or whatever and not really realizing what it was. And so again, they did that. And then I was on the floor and I just remember, I'm like, I have a son, you know, and I'm all he has. So I'm like, whatever you do right now, like, please don't take me away from him because he needs me. And so they asked me to go into the bathroom and it's a small shop. It's probably smaller than my kitchen right now. And you slight know, flex, like, slight flex. Did y'all hear that? That was a ah! light, light flex. <laughs> it, it's, it, it <laughs> and so, you know, um, they asked me to, they asked me to um, go into the bathroom and I did. And um, at the time, like, you know, they basically was like, give us your card and give us your money. Again, I'm like, I own an online business. I might have $300 in this account. Like, I don't got no money. You know, I'm like, what money? What are you getting? I was like, it's an online business. There's no cash. There's no money. So one of them went to the ATM with my card. I gave it. So I'm in this room alone with the gun to my head. They turned the lights off. And at the time, I'm thinking about Oprah. Oprah was like, don't let anyone. I just remember an old school episode where she's like, don't let them. If anyone's trying to get you, this is when she had the Oprah show. Don't yes. let anyone take you into a separate room. And that was actually playing in my mind because I'm like, what do I do? Do I try to tackle them and run? And what, you know, like that's the type of things that I was thinking about. So I was in there for quite some time. And then they like, then it was just dumb robbers. They came back. The one fool is like, yo, I can't get her car to work. She lying about the pen. I said, this how, this is how people get killed right here. This is how people get killed. I was like, because one of them going accidentally shoot me because they arguing. So now the other one goes, let me get the card and let me try. And I'm like, no. No. Yes. And I'm literally in here like the lights are out. They closed the curtains. So for a long time through therapy, that was affecting me because like I just remember sun and then dark. And so that really, you know, um, you know, it really caused me. Yes, it it definitely did. And so um, they both ended up at once after a couple minutes, you know, they both ended up like going outside and they were like, we're going to go like both of them to the ATM, I think, you know. And so I said to myself, I was like, all right. I don't know if they're still in front. I don't know what to do, but I do know that if I don't run right now, I'm not going to be able to probably get out of here or, you know, who knows what. So I literally like counted to like five and I just like ran straight out my shop and I'm screaming. I'm crying. I used to go to the bar. You like shop ran past them? They were like up the street a little bit oh at this point. So I think God. they were trying to go to the ATM because they told me to stay here. I'm like, stay here. Do I look crazy? So I like run out the shop into the street. I'm crying. And there were some girls there. And they're like, ma'am, you okay? I'm like, nope. Y'all the lookout girls. Don't play with me. Oh, I'm my like, God. I was like, nope. Y'all not going to play with me. And I was trying to open like that. Made, it took me a while to get over this. I, and I get why. I was like, because it's a busy, busy-ish, like highway-ish street. So I'm like knocking on car windows I'm like please let me in and people locked their doors they were like no because you know I guess I'm frantic I'm crying but like literally 
they were like, they're not opening their car. So then I remembered that the barbershop was at the corner, ran there, called the police. and So the barbershop, they, they, like when you went in there, they were, now you're going to make me emotional. So the barbershop, when you went in there, did they, how were they? No, the barbershop was great. Like they knew me. They knew I was up the street and they, they knew. And so they were like, I can't even believe these boys because they passed the barbershop to come to me, exactly. a woman to rob. I'm like, you know, so the barbershop guys, they were pissed because they like, you know, you got cameras. Who is it? We we on it in the neighborhood. And I was just like, I didn't. Again, I didn't. And, you know, the officer, of course, gonna, he was like, it's two o'clock. Why, was, why don't you have a buzzer? Why wasn't your door closed? Why? I'm like, are you kidding why me? Why are we asking? Like, why, why was I robbed? Like, I just... Uh, so that was the but you're still here you still here but do note and you probably don't know this fun fact that was a significant point of my career change and that's why I realized I had to go through that unfortunately because that moment happened a day before that I had met Bazoma St. John through Lovey Mm-hmm. And just through events, again, going to events, hustling, T-shirts in my bag, hey, you know, and all that. And Bazoma actually wore my shirt, wore a dress to an Uber, like, meeting. And she was shouting me out the day before, but I missed all of it because of this incident. Oh my God. And so people were trying to buy stuff. It was, and so literally people were ordering and then I was like, yo, I'm shutting down. So I literally packed up everything, packed up, because I couldn't even work in the space anymore. Of course so I not. packed up everything, packed up my son, trying to find a manufacturer in a space that could fulfill my orders. And all I know is that Bazoma found out about what happened and they started to post it. And I received thousands of orders from Uganda, oh from Zimbabwe, from like thousands. But I'm like, we're closed. <laughs> it's done. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I was like, I'll go back to architecture. I heard you, universe. I'm good. And like people just sent me messages and they was like, I'll wait a year if I need to for my for my message. They were like, I'm good. We want you to be okay. And stuff like that was just like really, really gratifying because it was just like people were like, it don't matter how long this might take you to get back, but we need you back. And I was down for probably like two to three weeks crying the whole time. And then I was like, all right, let me go get my shit and let me start this whole thing back over. So that is how, you know, that and that was a pinnacle point in my career because it really opened up the doors to these people and finding out about me and, you know, an exposure and even a company, I Fund Women, they helped me fundraise and, you know, and move my shop. And so, you know, it's crazy now because I'm in a different space, but I moved my shop to a building and the building was enclosed and I didn't, it didn't even connect to me till recently, but the building was very like no one, like no visitors. You couldn't really like, it was dark. It was, and I was like, wow, like my trauma of where I was trying to transition. Like I wanted to feel safe. safe. And so I didn't even know that this space that I selected for my shop was like almost this dungeon that like, you know, like I was creating. And I mean, you know, and I I stayed there. Yeah. And I stayed there for two years. And recently, again, so we went from like a 500 square foot space to that was a thousand square foot space. And now we're in like a 2,500 square foot space with glass walls, glass floor to ceiling glass. And like, I was just like, wow, my healing. Like if I just looked at that and I didn't even, it didn't connect to me until I really realized like, wow, you're in a different space. Like it, it took you a second, but you know, I feel better. That was a ride. I always am amazed at just the ways in which we are like humans annoy me on such a regular basis that I love when I hear stories where like humans actually helped other humans get over humans. (laughs) Like hearing that you were going to quit and it wasn't just that you got the orders. I feel like the thing that made you push through was not just the orders, but it was the compassion. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, and being able to like see you as more than just like, hey, I bought a shirt. 
give me my shirt and see you as a person. And it's like, no, I'm sending you money to support you. The shirt is like kind of just the the yeah. plus, you know, the cherry on top. But really, we just want you to to feel supported. I mean, it's it's rare, but the internet be showing up it's so often. It's so often the internet be showing up. <laughs> you just got to filter it out. You just got to filter it out. Because I did receive some of, you know, but for the most part, that couldn't, you know, it didn't, it couldn't overshadow the greatness that, you know, I felt during that time. So how did you end up in Target? So Target happened where, I mean, an amazing story. So in, I used to do Essence Fest all the time. And I always be having a shout out Essence Fest because I think sometimes, you know, things can be a little bit of a mess here and there, but <laughs> it's always an amazing mess. I tell you that much. And I used to go to vending events all the time by myself. And what are vending events? To, you know, like when, so vending events. So when people would have like different, you know, they booths have Essence Fest. And, yeah, different booths and right. yep. And I would go and listen, I had my share. I had, look, there's one little lady, a Jamaican lady saved me with some soup one day because I was giving up then too. I was just like, this is a hard day. Okay, I done flew all the way out here, travel here, but I'm tired. Things ain't popping. It's cold. So, you know, I used to go to these vending events and some of them were difficult. You know, it wasn't always, I was getting my back, everything else. Like what makes it difficult? Like, I know for me, like, so they used to have like vending events for like poets and it would be literally where like you go and some, and like you are the booth and you have to like sell yourself. Like it felt crazy. Like you're literally like, Hey, book me. I'm Amanda. Look at how I talk and look at my poetry. Uh You want to, I want to hear some hot shit. And like, I did it twice and was like I can't I I don't I I don't I can't because you're trying you got to be on it's yes. like you always got to be on and I mean you know I think that was part of it as well as on top of being on I had to also make all of the product before I would go to these events so I'm exhausted already and I didn't even realize that I was like oh this is why I'm not in a good mood <laughs> you know I'm staying up all night I'm making a the product then I'm trying to save money I'm not hiring someone to help me yeah. so it's me carrying the boxes me setting up my tent me doing the drive like I done drove 20 20, 30 hours to different places vending. Craziness. Craziness. Okay. Craziness. Crazy. All right. And so I was at Essence Fest and I met this young lady one day um, and she just said, you know, casually she works for Target and she was just like, you know, and I live in Baltimore. I think she was. Yeah. And but she's Jamaican. And she was just like, you know, big up yourself. And I said, all right, all right, all right, you know, and we exchanged information. And I was like, this girl ain't never going to call me. <laughs> and so, you know, I did my thing. I, I followed up here and there. Hey, it's me, Kalila, Messerado. Just saying hi, just checking in. How are you? Well, I hope you are. You know, yeah, one more I'm you know, sister, yeah, yes. So you know, and so a couple years passed by, and I was just like, oh, I'm never, you know, and I again, I never pressed on, never, you know, what's up with that Target Connect? Never nothing like that. And I've always um, kept on my journey, you know. And one of the big things that I will say, and I tell people this all the time, like create your own noise. You know, and I think that that's what I've been good at is always like make my own stuff pop, make things happen, like keep it going, keep the noise going. And I think that she would notice me. Um, You know, I would never know she didn't like hit me up or anything. But I just remember last summer, um, right after COVID, well, right during COVID at the beginning of COVID, she sent me a message and she said, we are going to be in touch with you. And I was like, who me? And at that point, I just was already feeling like sometimes my messages, not that they're like out there, but you know, I was just like, and maybe a little imposter syndrome. I'm like, what target want to talk to me for? Like, I'm blackity black. These messages, I can hear. <laughs> like, they don't, they don't need me. They don't need me in target. You know, and so literally they had a call with us last summer and they're like, you know, we would love to celebrate you for Black History Month. And we are kind of doing this exclusive run of having your T-shirts and having your bottles. And it was the biggest like, you know, order that I've ever received. And, you know, just working with a mass retailer, I think we were in like almost over 1400 Target stores across the nation. What? How did you fulfill that order? 
the gods. Like, so what Target did for the first time ever is they kind of set me up with like, they did a one, two and they're like, listen, this is, they, you know, I really, really, really bang with Target. And I don't know if it's because again, they had a lot of black, you know, people on their board, but they're like, this is not just because it's black history month. Like we want you to propel. We see where you, we see you like Mm -hmm. literally. And like, even when they did an interview and a commercial with me, and this is unbeknownst to me like target said we requested for you to be at certain vending events and we watched you and i was like get the out of here they were like yeah that event that was us like we asked you to be at this and i was like wow you know and it was days i didn't want to go it was moments i was tired so i didn't it even realize like, that that's how i'll be working like so sometimes events will reach out to you and be like we'd like to invite you to, to come yeah yeah so i went to a couple things in new york and it was sponsored by target but again i ain't thinking about my target and checking for me. <laughs> you know i really i was like they're not looking for me and so yeah and it was target sponsored events and i showed up and did my best on days when i thought it was my worst and that's how target happened and they fully supported me they set me up with you know a company to help me with fulfillment they made sure like things were ethically right they made sure our bottles were good you know they did an amazing thing where I've been working with my bottle vendor for probably three to four years now and we literally for the first time ever I you know I'm so grateful because my vendor you know when I first started I think I ordered like 500 bottles which they never do because it was like that's just the smallest they you know they Oh, that was a small order. Okay. Oh, that was a very small order for them, especially when it comes to plastic. And so we just made, I think it was a 200,000 bottle order with them for Target. And so that was huge. Because they stuck around and you were able to come back. Nice. Yeah. And that was real. I was happy about that because my friends are like, oh, things is happening. (laughs) You're moving, huh? And it was it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I it, it just made me feel good because it's someone who trusted me and said, hey, we don't normally do this. But, you know, it sounds like you have something cool and we'll try to work with you. And, you know, so things like that make me um, really grateful. But, yeah, that's how that's how Target. That's how it happened. Literally a Jamaican girl in a room advocated for me and everything that I've done. I mean, honestly, I've said it before. I've worked with Warner Brothers. I've worked with YouTube. I worked with Google. And all of these really came from literally a black woman being in the room and saying, what about messing a bottle? And that was it. I'm so happy to hear you say that because I did an Instagram story the other day where I was talking about just kind of like dealing with white women in corporate America and how ever so often you meet black women who are using white women's tools and, you know, holding each other back. And I wanted to do and I'm going to do a follow up story about how many times it's been a black woman who's been like, shut that up. Rock, rock with Amanda, Amanda. you know, yep. and it's it's just so easy to support each other. Like it's and it's so easy to just be present in a room. And I feel like folks make it way harder than it needs to be. And a lot of times, like I think a lot of black folks in those positions feel like, well, if they suggest another black person and they're going to look like a, a target right. or they're going to look like they only care about black people or whatever. And I'm always just like, so what? Like, right. And. They they got right. you in there because they don't know no black people and you, they feel like you probably know every black person from Mississippi to Madagascar. So that's really right. why they got you in there. But I'm I'm hearing all this, you doing all this. I know from even just doing a modicum of this how stressful it can be, how overwhelming it can be. So how do you manage your mess? Like aside from hiring people, like how mm-hmm. do you manage your mess? You know, I've learned. Um, so I'm training right now for a marathon. Oh, I am running the Paris Marathon in probably a month. Oh my goodness! Um, <laughs> so you know, I, yes, yes, <laughs> running. So running has really become a savior for me. Like when the robbery happened, I ran the New York Marathon as kind of like this is my way to push through and run through. So I did New York Marathon and that was my first. And you know, and now Paris will be my second marathon. 
And, you know, I've just really learned um, through therapy, um, you know, just to let go of some of the expectations, the unknown, the mess, let the mess, you know, my, my therapist now we're going through this thing because she says I'm so caught up with who I was, who I am and who I want to be. And so like, you know, who I want to be, I keep on saying like, all right, I can't mess up. I can't do this. I can't do that. And she's like, girl, do you understand that the mess is what got you here? Like, so stop trying to mitigate and stop trying to feel so like, no, I have to make the right turn. And she's like, make the wrong turn. You're all right. You're going to be all right. Like the person you marry and date, it ain't going to ruin you if it doesn't work out again. Say or that again. Yes. You are going to be who so going to It does. And I'm just like, but listen, the second half of my life, it can't be how the first half. <laughs> she's like, it wasn't that bad, you know? And so... I've been trying to like let go of that and allowing the mess to still happen because it produced a lot of greatness for me. I think, as I said at the beginning of this, you know, I think it just made me realize I'm smarter, I'm wiser, I'm making better decisions anyway, you know, and so the mess ain't going to look the same. The mess ain't going to feel the same. I know how to exit the mess quicker than I did mm-hmm. before, you know, just all of those things. So I think that allowing people around me to help, um, allowing myself to sort of feel um I've been in a space nowadays where I'm just like letting shit happen letting it lay letting it do whatever it's gonna do and being okay with it because it might just again be a part of the journey the process for whoever needs to exit let them go like you know right. my ex my ex-husband left when he needed to leave he ain't part of this he wasn't part of this <laughs> part of this okay and I had to realize that so all the friendships or the certain things that had to that they were gossip let me part the red scene for you real quick and you know and I had to realize that um because sometimes you you start to you feel like well what if and you know and and it's just like no this is where you should be it's where you're supposed to be and it took me quite some time to sort of heal and feel okay with those things and I also am in a space where I'm like you know I'm allowing myself to feel the emotions like you know um it's there was a lot of childhood trauma and so it's just things that I'm still learning how to forgive myself through allowing the mess, like I said, to happen and, you know, and to just, Hey, more of it to come, you know, and that's, and that's just it. And being okay with that. Well, I love it. When two, I have two questions. When did you decide to go bald? And when did you decide on these glasses frames? Because it's a lot. Ah. So the glasses are a big part of architecture for me, you know, so the glasses So my one of my favorite professors, Professor Chan, an Asian professor, he just always had his little round glasses and he died a couple of years ago. But Professor Chan loved me uh-huh. and he was just a person that no matter how much the, the other professor was like, this girl don't know what she's doing. <laughs> he would be like, no, she's a genius. And he nice. just and he wore these. And so my round frames are definitely architecture for me. They're they're like, they just remind me that yeah. there's that part of my, you know, my mess that still um, resonates. And, um, you know, for me here, black, black girl, like I've always had very like fine thin hair. And of course, growing up 90s and, you know, my my family, they didn't know what to do with this little thin strings that was hanging. <laughs> so of course they trying to, and so I probably been bald since three years old. I, I have some nice pictures where they put some <laughs> earrings in and it was like, just go, just go down the street and get you a bun and cheese because it just tell them you a girl at that point. So, you know, I think for me, I just, I spent my years with my friends say this with my finger waves and my pineapple apple crunch and you know I always just knew that I had my little you know had a little something but after a while I just was like this ain't it and so I cut it probably maybe 10 years ago now and I'm like and it's just been the best thing ever and it's it's so liberating and you know and it's really become a part of my look here and there I'll pull on a wig and then be like who are you what are you doing and (laughs) like not let's just not go back there and you know and I've been really yeah, it, I, I've grown into, I was just talking about this with my girlfriends at dinner, you know, in a society that's like forcing you to do things to your body, to your hair, to your this, to your that, to your skin. It's been really beautiful to sort of like hone my own and step into my own and be like, you're the baddest in the room. Do you know that? And, you know, and feeling great. Like I don't need a strand of hair and to feel, and I could be in a glasses in a button up t-shirt and whatever, in a vest and still feel feel 
amazing. And so I've been really working on that and making sure that, you know, I remind myself daily how amazing I am. The script. Well, we have uh, a segment on the show called The Script, where we basically give folks some added materials that they can look into and check out to support the conversation that we're having. So is there any books or movies or anyone you follow that you feel has been like uh, a help to you and this process, either in the literal way of like, I read this book and that's how I understood the business of this, or it can even be like in a spiritual way, an emotional way, et cetera, et cetera. So one of my favorite books um, that I revert to all the time is The 12-Week Year, and it forces you to sort of live your life in 12-week segments and to master something in 12 weeks. And um, similarly to you, I just bought my first home. Yeah, And yes, Ooh, so get ready, girl. Get oh, I really, I, ready. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, it was one of those things, though, again, discipline, learning certain things, like putting my foot to the fire and like just really focus. And um, so I really liked the 12 week year. It it really forced me to sort of, you know, hone in on I think as a creative also. I'm all over the place. I want to be all over. I want to do everything. And, you know, the book reminded me, like, pick a couple, slow down, like really focus, figure out what you want to do. Like, make sure, write out your goals, make sure you are, make sure they align with all the things you really want to do. Um, so the 12 week year, um, is definitely one of my, um, my favorite go-to. It, it helps me through life. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, I enjoy people like my leak on social. I enjoy your commentary. I really love uh, she's the she does parking lot Friday. Oh, Lene, yeah, Lene. Yes, she she just did like, smart funny in black. Yeah, I'm learn I'm learning my blackness through you guys. You know, like, being, <laughs> so like I was telling my friend, I was like, "Yo, Amanda, better not ask me no black questions because <laughs> I." <laughs> I was like, "I'm still trying to be. I'm still trying to figure out. You know, all my blackness. I was like, don't ask me none of those." I was like, y'all, I got study. I got read up on anything. Because if she asked me any years, if she hilarious, me, and so I the group chat was like, yo, can I phone a friend? Uh, <laughs> I was like, because if I get it wrong, she going to slaughter me. No, I won't. <laughs> Let me tell you, my man just asked me the other day, like, yo, would you teach uh, African-American studies at a school? And I was like, I would need like at least six months to prepare because I'm rusty. Dude, that would be beautiful. That but would I'm be so rusty. Beautiful. Like I would have to figure so out beautiful. a whole curriculum. I mean, I've been listening to this book. Nah, that's uh, dope. Ibrahim Kendi, he has a book called Stamp from the Beginning. And it's basically like the comprehensive, mm. co the comprehensive history of racism. And mm. like, I, I was reading it, but like, it's so dense that I was like, all right, let me, I need to just audio book this shit. So I'd be trying to listen to it on audio book. And even with that, I'm like, wait, what he say? And right. I got to run it back. Wait, what he say? I know that I have listened. Listen, I'm going to have to listen to it again because the amount of information, I feel like I'm rusty on like capturing academic information in that way. Like, so I've I been just trying don't to retain read more. anything. I'm like, I'll read it, but then it's not sticking. It's not staying. I've been having to train so, myself to uh, get back because, you know, usually you used to have to write notes and then you talk about it in class. That, and you had homework yeah. and you had to write yeah. an essay. So the retention didn't come from just like, oh, I read the shit. Like there was all these other methods yes. in place. Now we yeah. read shit. And then we got to like pay a bill and then okay. you, you got to go pick up your son. And I got to, and then it I realized right out one through one ear out the next. Like, you know what I'm saying? I was doing something the other day and then it was like, oh shit, there's a leak in the house. Like, so whatever I was doing didn't exist anymore. Like gone. But I really, you brought my New York accent out. You hear me? Like, I, gone. I like I, that was crazy. There was a leak in the house and it was like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> But no, congrats on everything. And I'm so glad that we got a chance to Zoom meet. And I hope we get to meet in person soon. Same. And, and, you know, it's just, it's always dope to hear just the the pathways that people take to their own personal passion. Because that, to yeah. me, is the greatest part of this story is that, like, you you was good. You had a whole career. Like, you was good. But it was like... Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I'm not like living in my purpose. How do I figure mm -hmm. that out? And let me tell, let me say this also though, and I'm sure you agree with me on this. There's a certain privilege that a lot of us have in being able to like chart the path to our purpose. And I don't not acknowledge that because I know that like my mom, like I don't feel like my mom got the chance to like live her passion. 
you know, Definitely. like right. my mom came to this country and it was like, all right, I got, I came here so I could get green cards, everybody else. And then now I have like this daughter, I got to figure out things for her, you know? And so, and, and then you see her garden and all the paint and all the stuff going on in the garden. I'm like, okay, so there was the passion. So you should have yes. been doing all of this, you know? That's but- how I feel about my parents. So I understand it, you know, because they, especially, I don't think people, you know, when I just think about the immigrant life, like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, my my grandmother really did it. She thought probably for my father, but it really was for me. Mm. You know, I'm probably I'm the first person in my family, immediate family to own a home, you know, yes. and in America. And then, you know, and so for me, I'm like, it's I, I'm going to do my best for my son, but it's probably for his kids you know, at that Mm -hmm. point. And so I'm realizing it just even skips like, you know, a generation for you to really be impactful. And so, you know, I'm just striving right now as much as I can to really impact and, you know, impact my family. And I'm like, I'm probably the catalyst and the person that's going to change the trajectory of what my family could be, you know, and just like their financial like state. And so my, my, you know, this passion and the things that I'm doing right now is just really to like, impact them like I feel like this is you know I want to help I want to you know because I think a lot of people don't understand like black poverty and I'm just like we're not wealthy at all (laughs) no and I'm just and it's sad and I'm like I still have family members who are living in rooms in houses you know and they're renting a room and working like crazy and still can't like pull themselves out of that so for me I'm just like I want to try to fix that if I can in any small way. The last dose. Well, we are sending you support, literally, because, I mean, folks, I know it's going to be buying the shirts. So where can people get Mess in the Bottle? They can buy Mess in a Bottle at messinabottle.com. And there's, and what is it? Because I know there's not just shirts. There's shirts. There's totes jackets there's there's everything like you can buy like we got tons of messages um on everything and black friday is coming up the holidays are coming up so it's a great way for you to send a message in the ocean to someone and for them to receive it on the other end of the shore amanda and now that i understand like a jacket (laughs) um and can you just give us an idea of some of the messes the messages that people can find in a bottle So we have amazing messages like as strong as the woman next to me, a black woman created this, Uh, keep creating dope ass shit until someone notices. Um, So we have an array of messages that, you know, will hopefully speak to the messenger that you're trying to send a message to. There you go. Y'all heard it. Y'all heard it right here. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you sharing like the ins and outs and all of the above. And we will continue to get some mess in a bottle. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you. <laughs> a, podcast. <clears throat> a podcast network.